Oh, all right, ready to start another podcast with the dirty dog. Just let me call him up uh, and go. Hello. What? What? Who's this? This is the dirty dog. Who no, no, I, I. This isn't the dirty dog I'm looking for. Oh, this is the dirty dog. You called my hotline. How can I help you? Ah, uh, this isn't the. This isn't what I wanted. I wanted to talk about raw. But this is my raw hotline. Rare. Ah. From the intersection of Sunset Boulevard. Astry, Minnesota, Blue Download, Maine, Event, Status, Radio, with your host, Mr. Beverly Hills, 90210, and the Dirty Dog Welcome to Maine Event Status Radio. I am one half of the podcast host, one half of the world take team champions of the world. I am the Dirty Dog Darcy, alongside with, most weeks, Mr. Beverly Hills 90210. How's it going, Beverly? Uh, It's going very well, very well. How about you? Oh, it's going very, very well. I, I enjoyed the podcast that we did last week, the special cast number two. With Fran Derry and intern Lucas from WBCB's 1490 Pro Wrestling Weekly. Yeah, that was very fun. It was really, they uh, are very knowledgeable, and I, uh, I like getting them on, getting a, another voice, another, another couple of voices on. Oh, well, yeah, cause definitely, because I know I originally was hoping to go maybe 45 minutes to an hour, but after editing everything up, we went 88 minutes, so I was pretty thrilled about that. As is as is apropos with us, we always we we from day one we thought oh well, if we could get a half hour and then from there we've gone long every time and I'm totally fine with totally fine with that. Same here. Now, honestly, if you guys well yeah, let, talk to us about you know that episode, this episode, or previous episodes, or if you guys are listening to this in the future, let us know about the other episodes that we've done. Do it up. And uh, yeah, also we'll be plugging our Twitter and Facebook later on, so. So you'll know how to uh, get a hold of us. Right on. So, so what are we talking about today? So, you know, if, since we took a few weeks off, a few podcasts off, to do a couple of special casts, one with Dean Stahl a couple episodes back, talk about CM Punk. And this episode, you know, last episode we talked, you know, with Fran and Lucas about the WWE Network, we thought we might as well go back to our original concept and go back to, or go to episode three to talk about Monday Night Raw from August 8th, 1994, episode 74 from the WWE Network. Back in time. Woo, 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 woo. <laughs> All right, yeah, August. So when I turned it on, I was uh, very confused. Because can you describe what, what this episode opened with? Let, oh, yeah, so I was kind of confused too. I watched this episode last week and when I had some free time. The show opened with a few doctors working on a patient, saying that they were they were running out of time. I'm like, don't say that they filmed this to say that their patient's going to die, but no. Yeah, are we, gonna, what, are we gonna have a death on air at yeah. the beginning of Raw? I don't know about that. But they weren't re- referring to that. They were referring to running out of time because 
Monday Night Raw was about to start. Yeah, I thought like I I think I was um I'd be off on the timeline here, but I was like, is this a Isaac Yankum thing or like what's happening here? Well, and I know then, Isaac yeah. Yankum yeah debuted right around then, but I don't yeah somewhere around there. So yeah, I was I was confused, but yeah, oh they're worried about making it to Raw. Ah. Talk about making it to Raw. That only means. I had to do that every week, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, you got I, it. I enjoy it. <laughs> it's good stuff. So, Vinny Mac welcomes us to Monday Night Raw. And he's got the man, the macho man, next to him. Do you know where they're, they were at that week? They are in Youngstown, Ohio, on the campus of Youngstown State University. I think the Beagley Center? Yeah, something like that. Well, I know I spelt it, but yeah, I don't know how to pronounce it, so... I think the Beagley Center or something like that. I'm that sorry. I'm sorry to everybody who went or is at Youngstown, yeah, Youngstown State University. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. I think they'll forgive you. I like to butcher things. That's one thing I have in common with Brutus Beefcake. Yeah, you and Ed Leslie are the butchers together. What can I say, homie? <laughs> All right. Yeah. So we got Macho and Vince there, and they're try they're trying to tie it into this doctor thing, and Macho just goes says that Tatanka's heart is pounding and pounding and pounding. Okay. Well, I'm happy you wrote some of those lines down because <laughs> I didn't. I just wrote down what they were uh, talking about for what we're supposed to see later on in the, on the, in the episode. Uh-huh, go ahead. Okay. I know. Yeah. Mach Macho man. Is with the Vinnie Mac Jack, like you said. You know, they said, you know, Lux Luger's in the arena, mm-hmm. and Doink and Tatanka will face IRS and Bam Bam Bigelow. As yep. well as, we'll see the Keens Court with two of the dozen Hart family siblings. And we might even have a heart attack. On Monday Night Raw! Which I find to be uh, kind of uncomfortable with what would happen about a decade later. Oh, sure. <laughs> right, but they Just, had no way to predict that. So. But at least it wasn't Lawler saying that, so that's okay. <laughs> You're right on. So the lights go out and we get Ted DiBiase and his Undertaker. Yes, Ted DiBiase's Undertaker. And I know why. How Paul Bear's Undertaker is brought out with the urn. Do you see what Ted DiBiase was carrying to bring out his Undertaker? It was the money, right? Yeah, it was a wad of cash. All about the money. All about the money, huh? (laughs) Yeah, so we got Ted DiBiase's Undertaker against Butch Banks. Okay, okay, because how they barely said anything about the few jobbers in... On this episode of Raw, so I had to do some Googling to figure out who all the <laughs> jobbers were this week. Did you get, did you get Butch Banks as yours too? Yes, I got Butch Banks for the for this one, and I also got the names for the for the other three enhancement talent that we had. Well, we'll see later on tonight. All right, very good, very good. Okay, so yeah, we have the Underfakers, Underfaker and Butch Banks, and uh, I don't like what was it episode one that we talked about how Crush. You know, Crush's opponent looked like his tights looked like Bumblebee. <laughs> yeah, I feel like Butch Banks's tights were very, very similar. 
Yeah, and you know, like the early '90s, uh, well, maybe mid '90s even. These tights are very prominent with uh, jobbers, and I don't know why, but it's like the singlet, and it's just striped with various colors. But it seems like every ride you'll see somebody in a striped singlet. Because I did mention that, you know, the yeah, this this jobber. Looked like a bumblebee, but a red and black bumblebee. Maybe, yeah, red and black one. Maybe this bee was bleeding, knowing the fact that he had to face the Undertaker. Oh, man. I, like I would be face. definitely afraid, too, if I had to face the Undertaker or the Underfaker. <laughs> What's your thoughts on Undertaker? Uh, well, I guess I'll talk more about this match when we actually get into this match. But in I remember this angle back in 94, because I would have been... I think about six, five or six. Yeah, I would have been six during, during this summer of summer of '94, and at that time I didn't believe that that was actually the Undertaker. Oh, you know. Well, I guess then, you know. Then again, you know, I would have been six, so I wasn't really that hard to fool me back then, back Fair in enough. back in time in '94. Fair enough. But don't you know, I mean, not, don't sell yourself watch, short, there, dirty dog. Yes, but watching it now in 1994. Oh, in 2014, 20 years later, I can tell they were doing some smoke and mirrors to hide the Undertaker's face for people couldn't tell by the face that it wasn't the Undertaker. You know, I thought they did a fairly good job. The only obvious difference is that the Undertaker's like four inches taller True, yeah. than Brian Lee. And I thought that for his performance or whatever, you can tell that he had been training with the Undertaker, which I'm pretty positive that they did together and he was trying his best but i don't know i think he took just like i'm gonna be slow well, as well as like well, yes, his I know I, thing you know i didn't want to get into that yet but for, yeah, for oh, the sorry. match i thought it was very very slow paced and i also yeah. hurt my rating for the match which we'll get into when we get into the match but let's get into it go okay. for it but before we do i know i wanted to mention that like what you said that the Undertaker was played by Brian Lee, which, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly, what is, or at least yeah, I think was, I, I don't know if he's still alive or not, but uh, I think at least he was good friends with The Undertaker. Yeah. Which mm-hmm. is which is why what got him the job. Yeah, and he's uh, he's brother to the um, the Harris twins too. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so... Skull and eight ball. Yeah, so I wanted, wanted to mention that, too, that the Undertaker was actually, if not best friends, if not at least decent enough friends with the Undertaker in real life to get the job. Right, yes, and he is still alive. Just... Okay, yeah. <laughs> good. I, so I know I have a few different wrestlers um, kind of get mixed up with on who's alive and who's... Fair enough. Them. Sadly, it is something that can easily happen. <laughs> yes, because I I know uh, there are too many that are dead. So yeah, and there's a lot that are dead. Sadly, enough. yep, exactly. But I know one of the first things I wrote down for the note was on an exchange between McMahon and Savage. All right, go ahead. How uh, McMahon said, "Who else is gonna sell out to the million dollar man?" And Savage replied with, "I don't know, Vince. Only time will tell." <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they said that it was gonna get the corporation was gonna get bigger and bigger. That was growing. So yeah. that seems that seems to be one of the uh, themes, kind of, of this raw yeah, or this we, time period in general. Yeah, you because know, we will talk about that after this match more about, about about why McMahon and Savage were questioning who else is going to join the corporation. Mm-hmm. Uh, all I 
I have so Undertaker put on a chokehold on Butch Banks and Macho goes, That's the gurgle hold. <laughs> he also I'm confused. Well I would be confused too if I was watching the Undertaker. <laughs> Macho is confu- Macho is confused a lot in this episode. Well, because I guess, you know, talking about that, that reminds me of what Ferran said last week in the ep- on the special cast number two about Macho Man and his uh, color commentary during this time. Okay. Well, yeah, I, I really don't remember what Fran said. It's been a week, but, yeah, I remember. I, I just remember Fran talking about it and how at times it could be, I think, if I remember correctly, it could be a horrible. Or if not, you know, <laughs> Macho would throw just random lines out like that. Just go yeah. back, fans, just go back and listen to the ep- last week's episode. That's what I would suggest, because I'm confused. I'm confused. <laughs> but yeah, I was gonna say the only other note I really have well one note I do have which we talked about before the match was the Undertaker did a good job I said a decent job doing the Undertaker gimmick and he was wrestling at a super slow pace which is like what the Undertaker was doing during this time. Right. I I think he may have taken it a bit too far, but pretty good overall. Yeah, so do you have anything else you want to talk about? About the match before the before the finish. Yep, uh, there was so they throw in kind of a slight dig. Did you catch? They were like, "Oh, somebody I'd like to get see hit is the producer of the Goodwill Games." Do you know now, why? Do, they, you, do you know why they made that? Yeah. Comment? Now, do you know who the producer of the Goodwill Games is, no, Mister Dirty Dog? No, that would be Ted Turner. Oh, I guess that explain explain why they <laughs> made a jab at him. Cause, yeah. Yep. Cause, yeah, cause, do you know what year Ted Turner bought WCW? Oh, gosh. Uh, 89, 90, okay. somewhere around there. Okay. Yep, so, it'll be a few years. Okay, so I guess that would make sense why why they would make a few jabs at him once in a while. Yep, yep. So very veiled, but if you know, you, you get it. I just thought that was funny. Yeah, the Goodwill Games that just wrapped up. The night before, did a little research on that. Yeah. Okay, because I am happy that, you know, every, well, I guess this is the third episode, so that we've done reviewing a classic show, and I do find it funny that every episode that we've reviewed so far, we, one of us found a line that either Vince or one of the other commentators made talk about politics. Oh, yeah. There's a couple more coming up here, too. Good. <laughs> <laughs> so we may as well go into the finish that, uh. Yep. Which, you know, I this is the only move that I wrote down for my notes. The under faker hit a beautiful choke slam. It was a good looking choke slam. And that was it. Yep, and Brian Lee would go on to use that later in his career too in ECW. He kind of used the choke slam a lot, so So what do you rate this match? I gave it one star. Well I'm happy you rated it higher than I. Oh no. Are we getting it? Yeah, I. This wasn't a dud. Oh, dud! That's what I was. I thought maybe we would get the dud. But it's very close to a dud. <laughs> One tenth of a star. <laughs> and let me explain. You know, like we met, like I mentioned, this was a slow fought match, and the jobber did a great, did a great, had a great performance, putting over the Undertaker, helping him sell like he was the actual Undertaker. Are you going to give Butch Banks the star of the... Are you going to... Is he going to be your main eventer? 
You just gotta wait and see. Ooh, all right. Okay. Well, yeah. I'm waiting with bated breath. And the utter faker did a decent job selling and rushing like he was indeed the dead man. Yeah, I thought I thought he did a good job. And um, you know, when we talk later, when we do our top five, I think that's a a key is doing the things like the person you're impersonating. Yeah. So. So now that we go to Leslie Nielsen in front of a green screen. <laughs> That's exactly what I wrote. Leslie Nielsen in front of a green screen. Trying to figure out this the whole case about the uh, two Undertakers. Do you want to do you want to explain why there was the the confusion of the two Undertakers? Well, sure. So in the '94 Rumble, um, it was a casket match between Undertaker and Yokozuna, and at the end of the match, Yokozuna, with the help of about five thousand other wrestlers put Undertaker into a casket and then he rose from the dead and went above the Titan Tron up to the top of the ceiling and, <laughs> and then Ted DiBiase came but with the, his new Undertaker and um, the WWF hired Leslie Nielsen because he's played a cop on uh, the Naked Gun franchise to fight him. And this is him doing that. Because I did find, I did get some amusement that when Nef, when Leslie Nielsen, I'll make sure I say his name correctly this this episode, that he made, made a comment saying that he doesn't know, but he feels like he's onto something. Yeah, because he was in front of a cemetery. I'm oh, thinking. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm guessing at least. Which which makes sense. Yeah. Then we then we go to a commercial. We come back, and we go to the we go to answer the question: Has Ted DiBiase bought out Lex Luger? Da da da. Then we go to see WWE superstars from the past weekend, and Shawn Michaels had Lex Luger on his Heartbreak Hotel segment. Now, Michaels was questioning Lux Luger. It was, and was, I thought he was getting after Lux Luger a lot. It was getting Lux Luger frustrated about meeting up with Ted DiBiase and DiBiase offering him his services. Yeah, and I don't know what your thoughts on this, but with the whole Lux Luger thing, I just thought they didn't give enough um, suspicion that Lex Luger might actually be with Ted. And I thought that that to make this angle really effective, they should have. Do you know what I'm getting at? Yeah, because yeah, it would have been cool to see Luger play the heel a little bit. Well, or even put some suspicion in it, you know. Yeah. Uh, be Play a little more coy with Michael. Say, you know, oh, you know, there's a lot of money, you know. Or, or he comes out, I, you know, I just watched the... 89 SummerSlam with uh, Sweet, or 90, with Sweet Sapphire, you know, selling out to the... Sweet Sapphire. You know, and through the weeks, she comes out with a nice coat. She comes out with the pearls. You know, why can't Luger do that? Why can't he... Come up with you a know, new jacket. Come up yeah, with exactly. a different set of tights or something. Yeah, but he's got a suit on, or, you know, anything to show that maybe he is at least thinking about it like here you kind of paint yourself into a corner because it's like either he doesn't sell out which is 
you know, spoiler, what happened. Or he does, but if he does, there was no foreshadowing. You know, it, it would just be a swerve for swerve's sake at that point. You know what I mean? As I said, I don't think Vince Russo was ready for Raw <laughs> during this time. Yeah, not quite. See, like, that's something he would do, is they would say, no, 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 for eight weeks, and then all of a sudden they would turn. Talk well, there's, you know, there's no payoff there. Talking about Vince Russo, have you heard that he's put out his put out a podcast? Uh, no, I have not. Well, I haven't listened to it. I sometimes see retweets about him, but yeah, because I know he did put out a podcast. I did download the first podcast. I listened to about the first half. Okay, that worked this past week, then I just stopped listening to it. <laughs> well, it's not. Well, I guess it's just because we're getting close under the night, so I was able to finish. It listening to it so i stopped it oh okay. I'm pla- i know i i think this he drops a drops a, another episode i think either tuesday or wednesday okay so i guess yeah when this podcast gets released podcast two would already be out but i am planning on listening to the first and second episode just to you know just to see what vince russo has to say all right to all right. At, le- at least give him a shot all right Plus, I have the time to listen to a podcast at work, so why not? I know, yeah. It's a perk. But I don't know if I'll listen to it much past the second episode. <laughs> All right, so yeah. let's get into this. Okay. So, yeah, then uh, Lux Luger came out to wrestle the next match, and Teddy Biasi came out when Luger was coming out. Yep, and he tries to, he's always trying to hand him this money. Like, which, which made me as laugh if just getting it in his hand means that he's you know sold out. Which made me laugh too, yeah, because which we will talk about that about talk about that end of the uh, end of Luger's match. But I know how DiBiase came out was waving cash at him and all that <laughs> in the aisle way, then just turned on the left. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, and again, like they could have had him take the money because remember, I see you can tell that I've been watching a lot of Summer Slams, but. At SummerSlam 89, I think it's 89, when Jesse the Body is the special guest ref. Yeah, that would be 89, yeah. Yep. And in the weeks leading up, DiBiase does give him money and he takes it. And they're like, we saw you took the money. And he's like, yes, just because I took the money doesn't mean that I'm going to listen to him. Which is... Hashtag Jesse Proverb. Hashtag Jesse Proverb. You know, and I just think, like, that's something they could have done there, too. You know what I mean? Just paint it a little gray. I don't know. Well, yeah, yeah, Luger took the money, so who says Luger's going to listen to the money? Exactly, exactly. So did you catch the name for this jobber? I got Chad Miller. Yes, that's what I got, too. Okay, cool. Okay. And his... Singlet is just a basic blue singlet. Yeah, just no bumblebee. No bumblebee action in this I match. Would, I would be blue if I do. I had to face Lux Luger on Monday Night Raw. <laughs> just saying. Yeah? Yeah. Then uh, did you catch that at the beginning of the match, they go backstage to a, a inset promo with Ted DiBiase? Yep, yep. Just a really quick promo with Ted trying to convince Lux to join him. Saying that, yeah, he was, you know, that DiBiase was successful on buying out The Undertaker and how successful The Undertaker was in the match prior in much indicating that if, if, if DiBiase can figure out Lux Luger's price, DiBiase would bring him to a success. Uh-huh. Which, 
you know, if Luger would look at DiBiase's track record, that is true back in 88, in Fe- February of 88, Lux, or not Lux Luger, Ted DiBiase did hire the man to defeat the four-year WWF title run of Hulk Hogan. It's because he, who paid for the plastic surgery, brother? It's a twin ref. What happened, brother? But that will not be the first time and the only time that Earl Hebner screwed somebody out of the WWF title. <laughs> yes, sir. Just saying. <laughs> All right. So, so we might as well go into the match. That uh, Lex Luger did a few arm drags. And I noted that they didn't look too crips, but they were good enough. Yeah, I would agree with that. The one note I wrote is actually with Chad Miller on offense. He was doing like these weird kind of kicks where he would jump up and then kind of like do a jumping stomp to Luger's thigh. I kind of liked him. It was an interesting... It was unique. Yeah, very. You don't really see that too often. I kind of liked it. So I know I, another thing I noticed in this match that Luger hit... Well, during this time, one of Luger's finishing maneuvers were the, the running forearm. Mm-hmm. And before he hit, he hit the running forearm, I did notice that he hit the running clothesline. Mm-hmm. And I want to get your thoughts on wrestlers doing moves that are similar to their finishing maneuver to set up their finishing maneuver. Oh, um, you know what? I kind of like it because I kind of like the gimmick where, like, somebody is the master of, like, X move. Like, I know you aren't too huge on, like, independent wrestling, but, well, actually a very long time back, but in ROH and Ring of Honor, there's a wrestler named Roderick Strong, and his thing was, like, he was the master of the backbreaker. And he his finisher was one certain kind of backbreaker, but he would set that up with, you know, all the different kinds. Okay. So, and I kind of like that. I kind of like, I mean, I guess Lex Luger being the master of hitting someone with your arm isn't as good. But, yeah. <laughs> you know, I kind of like along those lines as a deal. Because talking about ROH, I know, well, I mentioned before that I subscribed to the Wrestling Observer podcast and i know brian and vinnie review or review or refuse uh, <laughs> review our the roh television and okay i you would know more than me because i normally zone out during the roh reviews <laughs> but <laughs> i'm sorry but roh ain't my thing man <laughs> but uh they were like there was a feud about who would be the one to use a uh, pile driver as their finisher okay do you know wh- what i'm talking about I do not haven't haven't been super haven't been following it too closely. Lately. Okay, well, anyway, uh, the, recently within the last I think six months, maybe a year, okay. I I don't know, or was it Lex <laughs> Luger? I don't know. <laughs> that, but they, uh, they they redid that recently on okay. or having two guys feud on whose pile driver is more most vicious. Sure. So, uh, is do you have any more notes about this match? You're not. Okay, well, I'll talk about the, the finisher, that or the finish of the match. That Luger signaled for the running lariat and got it and picked up the victory. victory. Yep. Ma- Macho said, Luger may have got the pin of the week. <laughs> and I question if, if that was the pin of the week, I might just quit watching Raw. <laughs> I just don't know how someone can have the pin of the week. 
Yeah, there are lots of pins, Macho. I don't know what, how one pin is better than another. So kind of like I mentioned with you know what Fran was mentioning <laughs> at last week's episode, but like Macho, think about what you say once in a while, homie. <laughs> Didn't go. I don't think Macho is thinking much about what he's saying. Yeah. So the winner is Sexy Luxy, and what is the what did you give this match for rating? Mm, star and a half. Do you want to know what I rated Cause this I, match? Because I, I, I like Chad Miller more than Butch Banks. Okay, what did you, what did you I, give it? I'll say I liked this match better than last match. <laughs> okay. There's a lot better, of room for improvement. Better enough, I doubled last match rating for this match. <laughs> One-fifth of a star. One-fifth. I'm glad you, that you know how to simplify fractions because I definitely was going to say two tenths. So, <laughs> what can you say? I, I originally went to college for that's to right. be a math major. Yep, that's right. And the only thing I took out besides not being good enough to pass Calc one, not once but not twice, but it took me three times to get through it. A lot of a lot of cash went to Calc one. Oh, dirty dog. Was, I know how to simplify my fractions. See, I stay f- as far away from math as possible. Well, the dirty dog Rusey wanted to go to school to uh, be a math teacher, but math kicked my butt a little too much. Oh, brother. So okay. instead of being a math major, what did I do? I did a 180-degree turn, then did another 180 degrees, then another, did another 360. Where did I lead to? Philosophy. <laughs> I don't even know. I don't know either, man. I was I was dizzy. I don't know. I don't know. I'm confused. So then we go to the SummerSlam report with my Todd Pettengill. Yeah, my first main event status star, Todd Pettengill. <laughs> so did, did you, you catch know? who's de- who's delivering SummerSlam this year, Dirty Dog? Todd Pettengill was no. Domino's! Domino's! <laughs> Our pizza of choice. You got it. So, uh, and another note I wrote down about this and a question I wanted to pose to you. That uh, SummerSlam 1994 was on Monday the 29th. Why oh, were really? Pay- yeah. Oh, interesting. I didn't even know that. Why were pay-per-views on Monday nights? <sighs> I don't even know. I Is it... Something with like the cable providers, like, or was something happening on August twenty eighth? I don't know. Yeah, because because I, I question. What about Monday Night Raw? Damn it! I want my WWF Monday Night Raw. <laughs> but oh, think of it. Talking about that, I did some uh, research. All right. Episode one of our podcast, we covered the fifty first episode of Monday Night Raw. Okay. February 7th, 1994. And we were talking about the dog show. <laughs> yes, sir. And how, you know, as with this week's episode and the f- our first episode, Michael Cole lies to us. <laughs> Why is that? Because the next episode after episode 51 was, uh, I'll say, episode 52, and the date was February 21st, 14 days after the fact. Okay. So, I know we talked about this before, but how Michael Cole's line was, the Monday Night Raw is the longest Raw Weekly episode. Oh, okay. So, that's why I wanted to bring that up, that I did some research. Okay, I understand. Into logging on to my, uh, warming up my Roku and actually looking at it. 
<laughs> so, yeah, see, there were some, a few weeks where Raw was on the air. Oh, of course. Damn you, Michael Cole. <laughs> okay, but did you, uh, oh, actually, I did write down Domino is the host of the pay-per-view, just halfway down my paragraph. But, uh, did you take any notes about Todd Pentengale's SummerSlam report? Yeah, I wrote down that he did the whole card, which I liked. I think is something that they need would actually serve to do more often. No. Just to say this is what you can you're gonna see, you know, if you get the pay per view. So I like that. Yeah, uh, the the yeah. double header main event with the Undertaker versus the Undertaker. Undertaker. Yeah. And Hart versus Hart for the <laughs> WWF title inside the fifteen foot high steel cage. And then we got the seven foot monster truck diesel. <laughs> Which I love I, that he's the seven foot monster truck. Yeah, I uh, seven foot monster Mack that's truck. A tiny, that's a tiny monster truck, by the way. Well, yeah, but to a man <laughs> like us, that's pretty tall. True. But yeah, because that reminds me of the 1993 Kid of the Ring promo that Shawn Michaels cut on uh, cut, giving Diesel the name Diesel. That which makes a Mack truck go. Oh, yeah, because yeah, it was me and Gene interviewing him. I asked him what his name was, and Michael said, oh, it doesn't matter what his name is. <laughs> and, but then, yeah. he, like, two seconds later, goes, his name's Diesel. Yeah, his name is Diesel, as in Diesel Fuel. Yeah, which makes a Mack truck go. <laughs> <laughs> which, yeah, brings a lot of joy and laughter to the, the both of us. Yes, it's a great, great moment. Enough that, uh, if I remember for... The next raw, raw review or the next podcast review that we do, I might have to bring out my poem that I wrote in regards to that. <laughs> oh, I think that's a, I think that's something that we all need to look forward to for next week. So, yeah, then uh, talking about Diesel, yeah, that we go to a video package from the week prior where Diesel helped Shawn Michaels defeat Razor Ramon on Monday Night Raw. Right. Then we go to the, the main event for the for the. This week's episode of Monday Night Raw. Oh, I got, I want to say a couple more things about that, the SummerSlam thing. Oh, please that do, please do. Razor Ramon is going to be bringing Walter Payton with him to the ring. Uh, they're very into these um, sports stars, 94, 95. You got Walter Payton here, then you got Lawrence Taylor coming in. What's, what's the point of Razor having a bodyguard? Well, because Diesel has Shawn Michaels. Fair enough. Yeah, so that well, that's what Todd Pentengale said. Thank you, Todd Pentengale. And then I, the other note I wanted to say is, so he says Mabel versus Jeff Jarrett is rap versus country. And then he's like, I hear that Heavy D and Conway Twitty have a bet on this one. Now, Heavy D is a rapper who was popular in like the 80s. Conway Twitty is a country star who was popular like in the 70s. I don't know why they pull out Conway Twitty and Heavy D. Like we mentioned before on previous episodes is that that some of the references and such that WWE would pull out on Monday Night Raw and other shows of theirs, they would pull out random random things like that, you know, like an 80s rap star plays a bet with a 70s country star. (laughs) Yeah, I mean... Dr. Dre and Garth Brooks? I mean, come on, guys. Come on, Pet and Gil. Get your stuff together. Yeah, because I know, like, JBL on color commentary now even pulls out lines from, like, the 
references like the 60s or 70s. Oh my gosh, I got that one. Yeah, I heard that one. The F Troop, right? Yeah, I think so, yeah. 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 And then Michael Cole, I actually kind of liked when Michael Cole put him in his place. He's like, that was a show from 1950s, (laughs) and it was black and white. Michael Cole is, well, we mentioned this before, but I do feel like after Michael Cole's heel play-by-play run, I feel like he is a lot better. Yeah, I'd agree with that. So, All right, so now we can get into that. Okay, well, this also isn't the last match of the night, but this is the main event of the night. And for the main event of the night, I have to uh, <laughs> open up a can of Melio to this podcast. You got and, it. And do this main event. <laughs> this main event is Bam, Bam, Bigelow, and IRS. Feature or yeah, being featured of the Million Dollar Corporation against Tatanka and Doink the Clown. Yeah, Tatanka and Doink the Clown—that's kind of a strange combo. And Tatanka, I know it was mentioned. I can't remember if it was Vince or Savage that said it, but it was mentioned that this was the first time Tatanka and Doink the Clown teamed together. Oh, okay. I'm sure it's probably one of the last times they teamed together too. Well, sure. Spoiler. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. See what will happen at the SummerSlam. I agree but, with that. But just like episode one that we reviewed, that IRS came out and told all that told the fans that there are major tax cheats, <laughs> and money can indeed buy everything, and the money incorporated is growing stronger and stronger every day. You got it. I wonder if money incorporated can uh, buy out this podcast. Oh, I'm, I'm listening to offers. Same Ted, here. if you if you want to buy it, you got it, brother. Ted, Ted DiBiase, senior, if you're listening to this, <laughs> get a hold of us, please. Oh, please, Ted DiBiase, junior, anyone with more than five dollars, they can buy it. Because I only have four ninety nine. So yeah, please. I have none. I wear a tuxedo T-shirt with a cent sign on it, like Nikolai Volkov. So I'll even wear our rip rip rippable. Tuxedo, just like you were back in the day, Teddy Biasi. <laughs> just saying. all right, go go on, go to the match. Okay, that uh, I don't, I did did write down a one liner from Macho Man. Okay, what you got? I can't remember. I didn't recall what McMahon and Macho were talking about, but Macho said, "My national pastime is the World Wrestling Federation, anyway." Oh, I'm sure they were talking about the baseball strike, which took place in 1994, and they canceled the season. Do you know anything? Do you know about anything about the 1994 strike? Yeah, well, they just they the owners and the players' association couldn't uh, um, reach a collective bargaining agreement, so the players went on strike and they canceled the season. So there was not an end to the 94 baseball season, and that's. That's why, like, Knuckleball Schwartz came out in WWF, you know, saying that he was on strike and kind of all that stuff. So that's a reference because the the national pastime, the American pastime, is baseball. So that's why Macho said that his is wrestling. I wonder what Mr. Beverly Hills' shoot job is. (laughs) I'm a baseball player. I was going to say that you uh, do throw down a lot of history on us, so I, <laughs> I just wonder. Never, never. Just, ju- I was just questioning, okay? I'm, I'm yeah, sorry. I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe you're onto something dirty, Doug. I don't know, but I'll, I'll, I'll keep thinking about it. All right, you, okay. you keep trying. You keep 
thinking and thinking and thinking. That's what the great philosopher Macho says. So that's what I'll do. So yeah, IRS and Tatanka start out the match. Yeah, and there's a lot of tie-based offense from Tatanka. Is it just because Whip. is it because IRS was wearing a tie? Well, of course, but he's whipping him around by the tie, and he's dragging him around the ring. I kind of like it. If you're going to wear the tie, you got to be open to maybe being beat up by your tie. So I, I did write, though, that IRS had the early advantage, but lost it to Tatanka. Yep. Then one another famous McMahonism that I wrote down was, one, two, yes, no. <laughs> He threw them all in this match. There were a couple what a maneuvers. There was the one, two, oh, we got a no. He's doing his best. He's bringing out the high spots. Vince, Vince is excited. <laughs> you got it, dude. So, yeah, Doink was tagged in, and Vince tells us that Doink was one of the best technical wrestlers ever. <laughs> okay. Did you catch that line? I did not, and I cannot agree with it. <laughs> okay, I was going to ask your opinion about thought that it weren't. If you had to, where would you rank Doink on the best technical wrestler's scale? Very far down the line. So, Especially you, this version of Doink. Would, would Doink be rated to a, a close to a dud then? Oh, he certainly. I totally agree with you on that. 1994 Doink is definitely down the line. Then I, then I know both of us has facial hair, and most of the time I've known you, you usually always had facial hair, and I wanted to ask you about Bam Bam's fashion statement. Oh, I love Bam Bam's uh, tattoos, I love his goatee, I like Bam Bam a lot. Because I think, yeah, for this episode of Raw, Bam Bam, oh, for his whole career, he was bald with the flame tattoo, and he had a beard. Oh, yeah. I wanted to get your thoughts on the bald with the beard look. It can work. A few people I know can really pull off the bald with a beard. It's not always the best, but it can work. Okay, I think Bam Bam... Are you going to do it? Yeah, he can do it. No, are are you going to? uh, If I go bald, I'll try. (laughs) But I know I do like the tattoo that he has with the flame, you know, the start of the flame perch being his hairline. Right, yeah. It's good stuff. Good stuff, yeah. So, <laughs> I didn't even write down the finish of this match. Okay, um, so the finish is that, uh, oh shoot, what I've got. Oh yeah, Doink gets written off by IRS. I guess and, Doink was a tax cheat. Yep, he gets the write-off and IRS and uh, Bammer get the win. So, what do you rate this match? I have it as a two and a half star match. Because uh, I think, along with this being the main event match, yeah, this has the highest rating for the match or for the whole night. Okay, what you got? One and one half star. Oh, rough. What can I say? These Tough early critic. rounds were pretty rough. Tough critic, man. So, yeah, I, I feel like. I wrote down, you know, to explain my rating. Crowd was into the match. It was all right. It was all right. That's why you get right down the middle. Two and a half. It's all right to have a good time. Because it's all right. Oh, it's all right. Oh, my. Huey you loose in the news? <laughs> Come on now, homie. I got it. I, I, I don't have you on this one. Oh, ah. Uh, I didn't mention that uh, that this that this was not working 
much for me. Uh, well, just like the first match, this wasn't... Well, the first IRS match that we did for Episode 1, this match wasn't working that well for me. Okay. I also noticed that IRS was super sweaty again. <laughs> and he must sweat a crap load like I do. Okay. And it, uh, it which doesn't take that much for me to start sweating. <laughs> and I did write down a note to myself saying, don't wear white shirts. <laughs> Learn from... Uh... I'm Learn trying to learn from, from the past mistakes. and trying to learn from IRS. Yep. Do not wear white shirts, especially that I sweat a lot like he, you know, it's not that hard to get me sweating, so note to self, do not wear white shirts, especially at work. So we okay. do go to a video package with one, two, three, could an own heart. Um, do you take note of both? Yeah, of yeah, but first we got to say the, the post-match on this. Oh, okay, well. So we got the corporation beating down Tatanka, and then Lex comes out. And I I thought that, you know, I'm all about story, and I want the stories to make sense. It does not make sense that the corporation is beating up Tatanka when what happens at SummerSlam happens. You know what I mean? Like, he joins yeah. him, right? Yeah. So why are they beating him up? Just to uh, pull a swerve? I guess, but then you're basically admitting, like, wrestling's fake. You know what I mean? Like, because yeah. you're saying, well, they're not beating him up, so. Well, I guess it kind of ties in more with what we were talking about with Lex Luger possibly joining joining the corporation. I guess. Uh, I, feel, I feel like the Tataka's turn at SummerSlam to the Money, Money Incorporated was written better than Lex Luger's supposed turn. Yeah, I think uh, it, it had. I feel like it was it wasn't expected for luck for Tatanka to turn. Right, I would agree with that. Especially especially with his beatdown. Yeah. yeah. Well, like what like the great philosophy group ACDC once said, "Money talks." Yes, it does. Just saying. You got it. So yeah, so DBSC then like his Luger came out to save him. DBSC again puts the money in his hand. But this time it worked because Tatanka saw the money and he goes, you sold out. You sold out like 30 times. And uh, Macho, it, again, I'm confused. Did you see what happened once Luger chucked the wad of cash out of the ring? No, what happened? That he tossed you know, tossed the cash out of the ring, you know, not caring, not paying attention to where he threw it to. And my eyes were keen to seeing the Million Dollar Man run after Sprint after the wad of cash, Very good. Making, well, sure, smart. making sure the fans didn't get to it. Because <laughs> if I was there live, I would in the cash was thrown my way. I would have tried my hardest to grab the cash. Heck yeah, I'd be right with you. So, so yeah. Well, the funny thing is, I didn't even write nothing down about that. <laughs> but right. yeah, now we go to the video package about the one, the one, two, three kid in Owen Hart building up the match that, that they'll have the next week's episode on Monday Night Raw. Right, because one, two, three, kid is in top form. I only other note I wrote about that was it was a nice video package. It was it was good. I liked it a lot actually. It was nice. It was it was weird. I actually thought it was weird with how well done it was that it was just for a raw match. Yeah, because I, I thought they did. A, I thought it was really well done. It was it was to the point. And it was short. Yep, and they got got to the point rather quickly and explained to us what's going on. Yep. So I like that. Well, I like that. I like it. I like it. I dig it. All right. Awesome. Then we go to the Kings Court with Jerry Lawler. 
Yep. And he introduces true gentlemen and great athletes, Owen the King of Hearts and Jim the Anvil Nightheart. Because I didn't write down that Lawler tells us that his first guest deserves respect just like him and is a king just like him. Yeah. A meeting of the kings. And I want your thoughts on Owen's nickname of the King of Hearts. I liked it a lot. Because I know we talked about the first episode of Monday Night Raw, and you know, with Owen's heel turn, I feel like him winning the '94 King of the Ring in with Jim the Anvil Nightheart as, as his bodyguard manager, and at, with a mimicker of the King of Hearts, I felt like that helped Owen's heel turn and helped put him as a mid carder, if not upper mid card. Hundred percent. I think giving him the King of the Ring was a fantastic move. Okay, then I know Owen. Talked about, you know, put over his match against Brett at SummerSlam, how they've been facing each other. Yeah, they were facing each other inside the steel cage for the title, and Owen, Owen was mentioned that that his motivation was the WWF Championship, and that's why he's been beating, beating up Brett this whole time. Yeah, I and he talked, I thought it was a really well done promo. I thought he did a good job. Um, I thought that he the best part of what he's doing is that he's completely like delusional. Like he doesn't know what's happening when he's saying that the family's totally behind me. And you know, he's talking about winning and winning clean and everything's gone his way. I like that a lot. Well, yeah, cause I didn't note that. Owen didn't mention that the originally the, their parents and their siblings were on Brett's side, but he was able to win them over. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So which which I enjoyed and then uh, yeah. Bruce Hart. Came. Oh, I got more before Bruce okay, comes on. Okay. Sorry. No, that's Owen, fine. Owen says that I annihiled you <laughs> to Brett, and he also says he humiliated him. Um, yeah, I, I like I said, I like that a lot. Yeah, then leather jacket Bruce Hart comes out. Then uh, then yeah, the Wilder mentioned that you know the Hart's parents had twelve kids, and I think I also remember Lawler saying that Bruce was the youngest of the Hart's. Uh, he says that he's the runt of the litter, but I okay. don't know. The, I believe Owen's the youngest. Okay, that, that's what I thought, because I thought Owen was the youngest, and yeah, Lawler's comment was, yeah, he's the runt of the litter, so I wanted to clarify that. Yes. And I'm happy that Stu and Helen didn't have any more heart, heart children. <laughs> yeah, it looks like Bruce is actually the second oldest, okay. and okay. Owen is the youngest. He's Bruce is fifteen years older Holy than crap. Owen. Yeah, well, I guess I, I can't complain too much since my little sister is twenty-one years younger than me. <laughs> sure, sure. So, uh, so I guess you know, Stu and Helen were uh, years, decades ahead of, of my father on that. <laughs> you got it. So, you know, I did mention on episode one about the Hart family cats, and I do not know how they can handle having so many cats because this weekend my mother went on a family uh, vacation with her with her family, leaving me all alone with her two cats in her two-bedroom apartment, and holy crap, they're a pain in the rear end. <laughs> that before we sat down and started this podcast, both of them had to, one had to come you know, lay down right next to me right by my computer, and the other one had to jump up on my desk, and I was freaking out, thinking, like, if I let, let them stay in my room with me while I record, they're going to screw something up. Speaking of, speaking of cats in the heart family, so, have you... <laughs> the cats? 
Remember, I'm a dog. I don't oh, like cats. I'm losing, I'm losing it. Okay. 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 I am happy you're having a good time. Okay. <laughs> so, okay. Breathe, breathe. So, so Bret Hart and Owen Hart, their nephew, Teddy Hart, he's a wrestler too. Yes. I don't know if you've heard of him. Yes, and he has he, a lot of cats. He has a lot, he has a lot of cats. He trains the cats. He When he wrestles in Mexico, he brings the cat down to the ring and it sits in the corner. Well, yeah, because I remember... And he doesn't have it on a leash. He just sits up there. Well, yeah, because I remember... Seeing a picture that somebody tweeted. Well, I listened to MLW Radio with Conan and Court Bauer, a former writer for SmackDown. And I know they had Teddy Hart on one one episode, I don't know, a couple, probably a couple months back now. And I remember seeing a picture on Twitter about him, Teddy Hart being in the ring, and seeing, yeah, the cat per- perched, cleaning <laughs> onto the top rope in the corner. Yeah. I'm like, holy crap, I don't even dare to... I don't even want to rustle because I don't know the fact that there's a cat on, uh, on the top rope. It's because you're, you're the dirty dog. Yeah. What can I say? I just want to chase the cat around. Oh, my. Okay, so... And we'll have to go back to Bruce Hart. Yeah, Bruce, I, I, I wrote that Bruce looks like he's auditioning for a job because he's going crazy. I, I he's just yelling that, yeah. and screaming. It's like he's... I, he calls... Um, Nightheart, he goes, you big, flat-topped, moronic geek. You all, without Nightheart, Owen, he saved your bacon. Well, yeah, because I, no, I noted that, yeah, Bruce said that no one is on Owen's side and he is a cheater. Mm-hmm. And Owen Hart is a disgrace to the family. Yep. And uh, is there, what, what other insults do you write down that Bruce Hart gave out? Um, he, well, I wrote down the save your bacon Big flat top moronic geek. Uh, that's about it. Okay, because okay, I felt like, yeah, you know how it seemed like Jerry Lawler lost control of the segment with Bruce Hart just yelling and screaming. Well, and I would say that too, because especially when you look at how it ended, yeah, which well, yeah, is, they just it went, just ends. Yeah, because it just it went to a commercial a commercial break. Like, yeah, we go to a commercial break of old things. Oh, well, I guess that's a different. Oh, uh, yeah, we got to talk about that later. Okay, yeah. We just. Randomly go to a commercial like nothing. Yeah, it's so obviously it got out of hand because they didn't even know how to bring it back. They just ended it. Yeah, so then we might as well talk about the commercial I was referencing to that we go to a commercial about old things <laughs> and new things. We we see a commercial the about car the new generation. Thing, the old car yes. thing that they showed with like Laurel and Hardy and it just like collapses when the fat guy sits in it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm happy neither one of our cars do that when we sit in it. I, I sometimes think, though, that if I if I sit too hard, my car will end up like that car, though. But I'm happy neither one of us are that big, though. Not yet, not yet. Well, <laughs> if we are, I'm sorry for Miss, Mrs. Beverly Hills. Oh, my. Okay, so anyways, moving <laughs> on. After the new generation commercial, what do we got? Bob Backlund? Bob Backlund. Did what? you catch what his shirt said? No, I didn't. Bacon Academy. <laughs> but before we but before we go to Mr. Backland and okay. his opponent. Alright. I wanna did you see who was featured from the old generation? Yeah, some. I can remember Ivan Putsky, Hulk Hogan, Iron Sheik. Those are the only ones I remember. Okay, I know there's a fourth one and only person I remember was Hulk Hogan. Right, yep. And I... I want to give a shout out to Vince McMahon 
because the new generation is now old. Yeah, yep, you got it. So I guess the old generation is old, and the old generation is older. <laughs> so Vince, kick out the new generation, Jack. Ah, oh, got it. I, I get what you're saying. Dig it. Now we go to Mr. Backlund, indeed. Okay, we got Bob Backlund in the Bacon Academy shirt. Against Kevin Kruger. You got it, Kevin Kruger. And like I said, that I had to Google all three jobbers for the, for the <laughs> night on, yeah, just because I did not know who these guys were. And neither did the announcers really say who they were either. We listened very closely. That's the only way I got it. And So I, at the start, oh, go ahead. I did take note about what Mr. Backlund looked like. And right, with his go ahead. longer, shakier hair, he looked like he was still from his prime wrestling career. I would agree with you. From the 70s. He was looking pretty good. Yeah, for, I think he was like 43, I think, or 45. 45, yeah. yeah. And, yeah, how like, he had no theme song, and <laughs> and how McMahon was saying that he held the WWF title from 78 to 83. Right. So, yeah, he lost the title 11 years before that, or before mm-hmm. this night's episode of Raw. Yep. So that would be like, what, 31 years ago from today? Like that he lost the title? Right to me. To that sounds right baby? to me. Yep. Go Sheiky, baby. <laughs> and Vinnie Mack tells us that Bob Backlund wants to be, once again, the WWF champion. <sighs> Foreshadowing. Yes. So Bob, he, he when he starts, he really, really wants to shake this guy's hand. And Kevin Kruger, <laughs> just like Freddie, didn't want to shake his hand. He refuses to shake Bob's if, hand. If I see Mr. Backlund walking the streets of St. Cloud, Minnesota... But, you know, he doesn't live that far away from Princeton. Yeah. If he walked up to me and puts out his hand to shake it, I will shake his hand. Oh, in a heartbeat. I do not want him to slap on the crossface chicken wing. No, sir. Or the chicken wing crossface, as (laughs) as Vince keeps calling it. But then again, I guess if he has my hand, it would be that much easier for him to slap it on. Yes, sir. But if he slaps it on, I... I will see that as a sign of respect to Mr. Backlund. Okay, anyway, talk about the match. Talk about the match. Okay, that uh, Backlund shows shows us a, uh, several counters, which I'm very, very impressed with, but the fans in the arena at, weren't really that impressed. Yeah, he did a good job of mat wrestling and everything, and I thought he did a good job playing off the crowd, too, um, saying, we want Brett. Oh, boring, too, they chanted yeah. as well. And, but uh, I liked when they were chanting that he gets up on the ropes and he goes, no! I didn't mention that too. That yeah, we get a we want Brett, we <laughs> want Brett, and Kevin Kruger, you know, encourages them. Yeah, he does. yeah. You know, like, yeah. Well, Kevin Kruger's in the pink, just like Brett. Maybe he was secretly like a Brett <laughs> apologist. Yeah, so I did mention that that was a great way to continue the Backlund's feud with Brett because they did mention in commentary that that Backlund had a match with Brett like a few weeks before or whatever. Right. Or you know, within the within the recent past. Yep. Yeah, and he put on the crossface chicken wing, and then he looked at his hands like he was looking at Saturn or Venus. Well, yeah, I did write down that. Uh, Backlund taunts the, you know, after Kruger taunts the crowd, Backlund went up and taunts the crowd. They boo him, and he you know, stepped down from the turnbuckles, walked over to Kruger, and just slapped on the crossface chicken wing. Yeah, I like that. I yeah. like that a lot. So, yeah, Mr. Backlund is the winner. Yep. What What do you rate this match? Hmm... I actually didn't write one down for this. Uh, star and a half. <laughs> you want to know what my rating is? 
Oh gosh, is this the dud? No, three four oh. three fourths of a star. <laughs> kind of a dull match, but the crossface chicken helped the rating. Yes, and because yes. he's from Princeton, which is like what half hour away from St. Cloud on on right. Highway ninety five. Yeah, I said that's all right. I I enjoy Mister Backland. I wish <laughs> he would run for governor of the state of Minnesota. Oh my! I would vote for him. Just like Mama D voted for Jesse Ventura back in 1988. Or 1998, I'm sorry. My bad. Love it. Okay, then. Yeah, like you said, after the match, Mr. Backlund stared at his hands, like, foreshadowing his soon-to-be character change. Yes. Then we go to a commercial and come back, and Savage McMahon put over what is going to come on the Monday Night Raw the following week. Which would be one, two, three, kid for his own heart and another Keen's Court. Right. Then we go backstage. Do you want to talk about this backstage encounter? Um, so, so Lex Luger goes back to the Million Dollar Man's locker room to try to find him. But what do, what he does find is Nikolai Volkov in the tuxedo shirt with the scent sign. The one scent man, Nikolai Volkov. Because <laughs> he had been bought by Million Dollar Man. And he, and uh, Volkov is very welcoming to Lex Luger, but they are soon interrupted by Tatanka, right? Yes, I wrote down that they continued their argument. Yes, they, a big-time argument. Then Raw went off the air. Yep, then Raw went off the air. They, so who... They, what fade, overall th- they fade to black. <laughs> you got it. So what's your overall thoughts on Raw tonight? I, I feel like the old... Just like episode one that we covered, uh, the 50, 51st episode of Monday Night Raw, that is you know very jobber heavy. I don't. I think this episode was better than the fifty first episode that we reviewed a few weeks back. Right. Uh, you know, I feel like a good capsule of nineteen ninety four WWF. Yeah. I feel like they did a better job advancing the storylines. You know, with Bob Backlund, with Lux Luger. With the Undertaker, than I feel like they did with that fifty-first episode that we reviewed a few weeks back. Right, I would agree with that. So, and like I said, I very well. I, I didn't care so much about the Undertaker match. I didn't really care much about the Lux Luger match. The tag match brought it up a little bit for me. And then just seeing Mister Backlund, I was just happy. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I thought the whenever I see Mister Backlund, I become Mister Happy. <laughs> the dirty dog becomes a clean dog for the few minutes Mr. Backlund's on my television screen. I like it. Then like now it he's off, I'm, and he's about to turn crazy. The clean dog might become a little dirty. Oh. Okay, so who's your main eventer for this? Okay, well, my main eventer has to be Mr. Backlund. Ah, oh, very good. Very because good. of the beautiful cross-faced chicken wing that he put on. That's good. The crazy villain that he was teasing that he'll become in a few weeks. And because he's from Princeton, Minnesota. Half hour from St. Cloud. Nice. All right. My main eventer, my most valuable player is Bacon. We got (laughs) Bruce Hart talking about saving your bacon. We got Bob Backlund out in a Bacon Academy shirt. Bacon is my main eventer. 
that uh, my driver is brought to you by bacon. <laughs> who's your Who's your driver? The Underfaker. Ooh, okay. I wrote down this notes about why he's my driver. Slow, boring, boo. <laughs> I will play with all those. All those. I, I would agree with those. My jobber is Bruce Hart. <laughs> he was just too crazy. He like yeah, could, could, I get well, that he rein, rein him in. Yeah, and I I don't I. He started too high, that there's nowhere left to go. He you know he didn't build up to the craziness. He started with crazy and he just got worse. And I don't think that's what should have happened. So yeah. yeah. And before we go to our top five list, I wanted to talk to you about, which we obviously did, about the enhancement talent for this episode of Monday Night Raw. All right. We had Butch Banks, Chad Miller, and Kevin Kruger. Okay. Because I had to go, well, I Googled, you know, 1994 WWF Raw and found, like, the, you know, like a page for all the results for Raw's from 1994. All right. And I clicked on this episode, you know, the... Gave me the match list for the for the card, and I clicked on those three guys' names to see what, what what their statistics are and anything about them. Okay. There's nothing written about them, no history, nothing. And they didn't even have their statistics. Oh man, mystery man. So I'm like, okay, if that's the case, then I might start a, a spreadsheet in regards to every every card that we cover. I think that's a great idea. Just to see, you know, keep up with how many matches that we cover and what everybody's ranking is, you know, for wins and losses. I might even go back to previous previous episodes and write down how we how you and I rate it and, and even them out. I think that's a fantastic idea. So, you know, just for we can keep that in hand just if in the future if we ever call, call upon that. Okay. Then we may as well talk about the top five list. And for this episode, you you picked out the top five list. You want to explain what we're doing? Yes, I did. Um, so we are in honor of the Underfaker. We're doing the top five, and I said most memorable. So you can do favorite, least favorite, worst, best impersonators or ripoff gimmicks. Okay, I did the worst impersonators. All right, I did a couple. Well, I did one good one. Yeah, maybe two good ones, three bad ones. Okay. All right. Okay. So what you got? You do, okay. you go first. Number my, five. My number five. Well, my first, one through four, I was a- easily able to pick off. My number five, I had to think about it a little bit. I even had to Google this. Ooh, I had to, I had to think about a lot. And once I Google this and I remember this, I'm like, I, I should make this my number one, but <laughs> I, I'm too lazy to scratch stuff out. I'm going to pick this as my number five. Okay, well, who you got? Kevin Nash as Arn Anderson. Oh, uh. yeah. That's why I had to mention this. Like, yeah, that's like, a- if if you if the, if you pod listener don't know, this is back in what ninety six ninety seven when Arn Anderson had to retire, and then following week on Raw, the NWO came out dressed up as the Four Horsemen, and they were making fun of Arn Anderson having to retire. Yeah, and they were making fun of his alcoholism and not good stuff. Not good stuff. So, yeah, I had to mention that, yeah, Kevin Nash as Under Anderson has to be my number five worst impersonator. 
Okay. My number five is actually, this will be on the good end. Um, and I had a multitude to pick from because in the eighties, you know, the, the rock and roll express were the hottest thing and they spawned a billion different tag teams that were kind of just like them. Um, and I just decided to pick since we're kind of in the nineties WWF era, I picked the rockers and I thought they'd, I thought they did a good job of kind of taking the, the young, good looking, uh, you know, rock and roll, whatever tag team gimmick and take it as best as they could. And I thought they did a good job. So that's my number five. My number four has to be fake gain. Hey, let me just jump right in. My number four is fake Kane. Well, I'm happy that, well, if that's our number four, we both might as well talk about it. Yeah. The reason, the reason why I picked fake Kane was I feel like there was a, a spinoff of a copy of what we watched on this episode of Raw of yeah. Undertaker versus Undertaker. Right, right. Since on. Kane and Undertaker were storyline brothers, it's only fitting to have the fake fake Kane. And I I think it only went through like one pay per view. Yeah, and it was also a spinoff of the movie that Kane did with the oh. W Studios, the uh, See No Evil. Yeah, I just find it to be completely silly and a complete waste of time. Yeah, it was it was bad. Those bad stuff. Luckily, Festus was able to rebound a little bit, but man, woof. Well, yeah, cause, yeah, because if I remember correctly, that when Kane finally kicked Fake Kane out, that he even took the mask and hair off. Yes. And I guess that's a foreshadow to nowadays where Kane wears a, a mask and fake hair. Mm, yeah, maybe. Okay, then uh, if you already said your number four as well, I might as well go to my number three, and it has to be the Underfaker. <laughs> just, just because, you know, with this match, and I remember watching Summer of 94 before, well, it's been many, many, many years, but I wasn't impressed with the Underfaker's work. Yeah, I was was not either. So yeah, I so I, I might as well throw in another faker as my number three, especially with this card that we watched tonight. The you know with the Undertaker always having to have his hair in his face. I know that was the Undertaker's gimmick back then, but like that's just a turnoff. Like <laughs> it's just like I like to see my wrestlers' face. I like to see their facial expressions. Oh okay. And just that. Well, I guess like I said, that's the Undertaker's gimmick back then. Like, okay, whatever, I'm over it. Okay. Who's your number three? All right, my number three, another ripoff tag team. So, again, in the 80s, you had, like, the big one, and then you had a lot kind of offshoots of it. This one, an offshoot of the Legion of Doom, I would say would be the ripoff, the Powers of Pain. Well, I'm happy you didn't say demolition. No, heck no. That that's a different thing. I I don't even want to get into the demolition versus Alicia Doom battle. I don't even think they're ripoffs. There's something entirely different. Whereas I think the powers of pain are a complete ripoff. They were wearing the face same paint, kind of yeah. clothes. They have the face paint on. They're two big jacked up guys. Like if if you think the demolition looks like <laughs> The Legion of Doom. Well, I don't know about that. Just because those guys are fat. I don't know. And not that it's bad, but they were. I was going to say, if fat ain't bad, since if fat is bad, we're bad. You got it, so. And I just want to say, here comes the axe. Here comes <laughs> the smasher. 
Demolition coming to get you. All right, go ahead. Who's hey. your number two? <laughs> My number two has to be fake. Fake Diesel. Oh, oh! I totally forgot about Just fake Diesel and fake Razor Ramon. I'm not gonna get into my number one quite yet. <laughs> Foreshadow. Okay, yeah, my well, number two yeah. fake Diesel, you know, which would later become, you know, or which was Isaac Gink of DDS, which yeah. would become Kane, the current Kane. That uh, you can just easily tell by the by his body built and his face that wasn't Diesel. Yeah, clearly. Yeah, clearly, and I I just remember it was I think the 1997 Royal Rumble that fake Diesel was it, entered into the Rumble match and just seeing him you know kind of waddling out to the out to the ring and all that <laughs> like at at the Alamo Dome you know all that like this ain't Diesel like whatever so yeah I'm just over fake Diesel okay like, whatever what's your number two. All right, my number two is a tie because they kind of do the same thing. Um, well, a three-way tie. Charlie Haas, Big Show, Damien Sandow. <laughs> I, out of those three, uh, Damien Sandow nowadays, he makes me laugh. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> and when Big Show did his impersonations, I laughed. Oh, I love the Big Show Personations. Shokishi was awesome. That bastard. The, the Shokester was awesome. Haas, but Mr. The I don't know what they called him, but when Charlie Haas did the Mr. Perfect one, I know he did a uh, JBL as well. My, but my my personal favorite is the Mr. Perfect one because he was doing. He was like at a like in an arcade, oh, yeah. and he was doing all the things. Terribly, that Mr. Perfect did. He couldn't hit the popper shot basketball. He's throwing gutter balls. He's missing in the um, batting cage. Just great stuff. <laughs> I, is, is that, do you pick that? Is that your favorite because Mr. Perfect was from Minnesota? Oh, maybe. And did you pick that because Larry the Axinian lives out in the booties outside of St. Paul, Minnesota? <laughs> maybe. Secret. It's a secret why I did it. Fair enough. So let's talk about my number one, which you kind of preluded to. (laughs) My number one has to be fake. Hey, yo. Fake Razor. And just like, you know, fake Diesel, you can easily tell he wasn't the same person. He wasn't Scott Hall. A little bit of the promos I remember watching on fake Razor was just horrible. Oh, yeah, it's bad. And... Yeah, he has to be, you know, he just has to be my my number one worst impersonator of all time. Yeah, very good. My number one is the aforementioned Underfaker. Oh, yes. I think the standard at which Faker gimmicks are compared. I thought he was, yeah, just all those words you used when you put him as the jobber, slow, boring all of it. <laughs> just, you know, Brian Lee isn't bad. He's got some skill. He's all right. If you watch in, ECW. I want to say 97 ECW, yeah. probably his best work. Um, I haven't watched any Smoky Mountain, but I think a lot of people really like him. 1994 Smoky Mountain. Yeah. Just kind of got him this job. Um, so, yeah, I think he has some good 
points, but this is not one of them. I think, I mean, it's kind of set up for failure. How are you ever going to do better than the, you know, the real creation, right? Oh, yeah, I feel like that with, you know, especially with all of my, you know, my one through four, you know, my, you know, my fake can under fake or fake diesel, fake razor. Yeah, how can you live up to the, the original creation? You can't. Exactly. And that's why, like, these faker gimmicks don't work. Because how are you supposed to do that? You you just can't. Yep, exactly. So, uh, do you have any final thoughts or any final memories from from the summer of 94, 94 wrestling or anything? Uh, the salad days of 1994. Good stuff. I was going into second grade, um, living life without a care in the world. Yeah, I think I would have been going <laughs> in the first grade then, so... Oh, little young dirty dog. Little no, I don't, young, ha- I don't have any. Don't little have young dog. Beverly Hills. <laughs> so, do you have any uh, final or any plugs? Uh, Twitter at Beverly Hills MES. Follow us. Yeah, then yeah. For me, it's the, at, on Twitter at Dirty Dog MES. Dog as in D A W G. Also, search us out on Facebook, Made Event Status Radio. So yeah, then uh. Yeah, just yeah, follow us, talk to us, speak to us. We're doing this podcast for you guys. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed the two special casts that we put out last two weeks. I hope you like episode number three. Next week we'll probably is still in a we'll still talk about it. We might have another special cast next week. We might have a regular episode next week. We'll guys guys just gotta wait and see. So uh, keep it on your toes. Yeah. So for Beverly Hills, I am the Dirty Dog. I'll see you guys at the matches. Ladies and gentlemen, that is our show, ladies and gentlemen. Good night.